Sparklecast. Okay, so we just got our Ireland information. Ireland! Yeah. Excellent. What did it say? It said we're going to, to Dublin. It said we're going to Bundoran and Sligo. Sligo. Right? Yep. So obviously we've been to Dublin before, but we've never we're always been going to, these to Dublin. Two. Can't get away from we Dublin. We can't get away from Dublin. But this is the only thing, the only third time we're going, we've, we've gone to the north, going up there, but we haven't actually been to these two cities before. Yes, yes. Sligo and uh, Bundoran, yeah, it's a stretch calling it a city. It's a stretch calling it a town. It's a summer spot. We used to go there as kids, my family, and uh, some, we have some dear friends, many, many dear friends that still live in Bundoran, believe it or not. And also, blackguards have uh, wonderful friends, the Screaming Orphans. If you have not checked them out, you should. They, uh, they live part of the year there. Oh, okay. They're, they're, yeah, from Donegal. Oh, right. All right. How close is, is Bondoran to, to uh, Donegal? Right. Schmack, schmack right. there. Schmack right there. Yeah. So you, you uh, as a child, you spent a lot of time up there in the north, didn't you? Did yeah. Actually, yeah. yeah we, my, first, my first few years were spent in Dungannon in Northern Ireland. And uh, uh, we lived in a place called Belvedere Park in Dungannon. And uh, my dad's from Coal Island. And he and his uh, 13 brothers and sisters and uh, his father, Paddy, and his mother, Winnie, all met in Galbally. So, uh, but he's, uh, they had a house in Cull Island. And then, uh, so my dad had a factory in Dungannon and we lived there just for a few years. I can't remember how many brothers and sisters I have. I have many. But when, uh, I think my brother, Andrew, was the last one. No, uh, Breege was the last one born in the north. And then we moved to Dublin. Is Cull Island actually an island? Uh, it has an island there. Oh, yeah? Yeah. Cole Island, yes. Oh, Cole. Uh, Cole okay. Island, yeah. All right. You grew up in a time when the, the troubles were still going on. Yes. And I know you've told me stories about how, how rough it was. I mean, trying to travel uh, to and from the north, right? Yeah. Yeah, it was. Uh, now, I never experienced any of it because uh, I was high as a child. Um, <laughs> No, I, I didn't experience a lot. Of, I was very young. Uh, my father will tell us stories of how uh, the British Army would, there was checkpoints, and, uh, which incidentally, with, <laughs> with Brexit happening uh, in March, um, a few weeks from now, there's talk of these hard borders going back up, uh, separating the Republic from the North. And if that happens again, there's going to be big trouble because they don't want hard borders uh, there. But back then in the early 70s, when we were there, it was, uh, there was, uh, you know, checkpoints where the soldiers would lift up the blankets of the, now, of course, I didn't see any of this, but I just heard stories of it. They'd lift up the blankets and look into the cribs of these children with the barrel of the gun. They'd pick up the blanket with it. Right. And, you know, and people wonder why there was there was such disdain for for each side. You know, it was just a much different time. And of course, when we visited there a couple of years back, you would you have no idea of what would go on up there because there's is there there was relative peace and uh, peace on their surface. So you couldn't say like you could see the you know when we went into Derry and you saw the big free Derry sign and whatnot. You, there's still yeah. you can still find it and you can still find the the history and uh, the history will never be forgotten because of the songs and the poetry and the stories and the you know like we sing a few of the songs that would be called rebel songs and some people might frown upon it and other people like myself i don't see it as um as a rubbing anything in anybody's face it was a, just an actual part of the irish history yeah so and, and i'm not well steeped in the irish history by a long shot however being 
in Dungannon at that time, like I say, I was very, very young, very, very high, and very, very uh, hidden from it, sheltered from it. And a uh, fun fact, our house in Dungannon was a semi-detached uh, house, and our next-door neighbor was... Uh, and he was a target anyway by the IRA, and they blew up his house, which blew a hole into our, oh my God. Um, yeah, our, our sitting room. Do you remember that as a child? I don't remember. I yeah. slept through it. Yeah. Like I said, I'm very, very, Gosh. very, very drunk. <laughs> no, uh, the target, the, the gentleman that was uh, supposed to be killed, he was actually away. And my mother had talked the neighbor into coming over to our house that night. If I hope I'm getting this story right. But she had brought the lady over to watch TV or something. And uh, anyway, so she wasn't, I think that was, that's why that woman was still alive. So nobody was injured. So no, nobody was injured yeah. at all, you know. That, was anybody else, you know, touched by the, the troubles? Oh, God, way? yeah. Oh, ev I mean, yeah. everybody, nobody was spared. Everybody had, everybody's lost somebody. Everybody has somebody affected. Somebody had, what, one of the funniest things you're going to see today is over here in the States, you know, and you, you'll hear stories of, oh, yeah, 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 my father and my grand, yeah, that's, the, those stories get, they, they definitely get coded in, uh, they're just highly exaggerated. And a lot of the people that will tell you that they were there and they were involved in it were absolutely not because it, it is that kind of fight club thing. You just, yeah. you know, right. if you're talking about it, you were not, you know, involved. You know, if you're saying you were involved, you definitely were not. So um, that's a side note because I get that just about everywhere I go. It's as common as, as the Irish accent that I've been trying to fake for a hundred years. <laughs> but uh Yes, everybody was affected. My father's factory, his clothes factory, was uh, burned down or bombed, one of the two. That's when we loaded up the truck and moved to Beverly, uh, or Dublin. That was, and I, I, again, the years, I don't know what year it was, but I know it was early 70s. Yeah. Do you remember, obviously, when, when the ceasefire was finally signed? I'm trying to remember what year that was, in the late 90s. Yeah, Clinton did. Uh, right. Yeah, I, I don't, and of course I was over here, so right. I'd know, you know, I'd heard dribs and drabs about it. A lot of people that I had spoken with had, I just don't think had a lot of faith in it. That's what I was so, wondering is like, yeah. what did people think of it at the yeah. time? Like, is this for real or? Yeah. But it's more or less held. Yeah. There's been a few incidents I know. Yeah, of course. Then, yeah. yeah. But yeah, obviously we, we've been to the North twice now as a band and it's totally different from the stories that, that you've told me. I mean, obviously, there's no more border, really. I mean, you can, there is a border, but you don't. Yeah. It's, you can't see it, really. You just yeah. drive through it, uh, which is pretty remarkable after so many decades of civil war yeah. there for that to be finally a thing of the past. Yep. Yeah. So, my earliest memories of Dublin are uh, really my childhood began in Dublin. I, I have very little. I remember Belvedere Park. And I remember, of course, my, my cousins and, you know, family and friends that we had up there, some of them, but not. Like I said, my, I, my childhood essentially started when I lived in Dublin. We lived in a place called Cornell's Court, uh, just uh, south of Dublin. And we moved from Cornell's Court to, uh, excuse me, we went to Wyattville Park first, which was very close to Ballybrack. And then, then we went to Cornell's Court. And then we went to Kalini. Kalini was the last place I lived in Dublin. But yeah, very, very, very fond memories of, uh, of, of Ireland. And very, uh, still, you know, some of my dearest friends and obviously my family is still there, so. How, how frequently did you go into town? Uh, not till not till later, till uh, drinking age, which was about seven, maybe eight. Uh, I used to. I went to a place called Willow Park for school, and uh, when it, it was a nice, relaxed, all boys, priest-run shit um, school, I found out <laughs> later that 
if I decided to just stay on the train coming from Kalini, I didn't have to get off at Booterstown and go to school. I could stay on the bus and go into town and uh, just walk around. So, so I, as, as early as about eight or nine years old, 10 years old, maybe walking around the streets of Dublin and just, wow. you know, and then you go into school later on that day, if you felt like it or not. And they, they, uh, where were you? Oh, uh, I had to go to the doctor. <laughs> okay. Off you go. So, so it was, uh, yeah. So, but Dublin became a, a, a social spot for us when, when we got a little bit older, when we, um, 15, 16, 17, you know, Dunleary and uh, the city center were our hangouts. Yeah. Uh, Dunleary was close to my school in Sally Noggin, a holy child. And um, we went to, uh, we'd go to Dunleary. Dunleary was, it was kind of a happening spot. The uh, Boomtown Rats had been and gone by the time we hit uh, Dunleary, but they were, I think Bob Geldof was from, from around there. Uh, and then of course the city center was, and, and still is, it's still, a, it's just, just a, it's a magnificent place. Dublin is it really has, even though it's changed so much since I was there, the spirit of the city and the jewel that it was, you know, can still be found in, in areas. It's, it has become very, it's become a melting pot, which, is, which has been wonderful. But the thing about Dublin is you can't build up, you can't build skyscrapers. So all the streets and all the buildings have to, they just have to find new just pieces of property to build on because it's just, it's absolutely overgrown. It's completely uh, swamped with people. And so the traffic's pretty horrendous and the, the public transport system has always been pretty decent, but um, it's, it's really difficult to get, to get around now. And uh, <laughs> living in Texas, when your car is about the size of a football field, going to Dublin where the cars are about the size of a bottle cap. Yeah. And they're still parking in the, in, I mean, just on, just in, in spaces you wouldn't imagine a bicycle could fit. They're, they're putting cars in it. And so, so it's very overcrowded and it's very, uh, it's very like I say, it's, it's become very modern, but the charm of the city is still there. And the, the people, of course I'm biased, but the people are, are just as funny and friendly as you're going to meet anywhere in the world. So do you remember when you first started to go see live music in Dublin yes. growing up? I, mean, I, just, I mentioned this because one of the, one of the things that we were kind of nervous about when we went there the first time back in 2010 is you were warning us saying, well, I don't know what kind of response we're going to get uh, from the crowds there. Because you remember as a kid, uh, as you told me, like really, you know, kids, you know, people standing, you know, with their arms folded and, you know, being really, really not easy to, uh, to impress. But as it turns out, that was not, not what we encountered when we, uh, the first gig we played there. Yeah, that's, that's, uh, that's very true. When, when I went to shows, just to hammer that point home, the Irish, you'll find that the, the, the Europeans generally are very honest about their music and their art and whatnot. They'll, they'll, they'll tell you straightforward. They'll, they'll tell you straight out and they usually won't, they won't sugarcoat it. They will not hold back. So we'd go to see, and I remember, I remember, and I think we mentioned it in one of the last episodes, uh, I saw a band called Queensryche opening for Dio and uh, Queensryche came out on stage and they were, that was when they were good. Uh, <laughs> that was when they were good. They, they started doing this, this stuff that sounds, I mean, just, oh, it's, it kind of sounds like prog rock underwater with, you know, weights holding it down. It's just awful. <laughs> um, but, but back in the, back in the day, they were kind of this really fast, upbeat, good riffs, you know, good vocals. But I saw them play 
And they were absolutely, they were, they're phenomenal. They were tight. They were just energetic and they were just, and the crowd would spit at them. And it was just, it was embarrassing to be there because I was up the front and it was just embarrassing to be, to be in that audience because, I mean, there's just, there, there's just never any call for that. You know, this is the touring band and this is their opening act and they were not holding back and they, they, they played through it, which is a testament to them. But I'd seen that on countless times, countless shows where the opening act, no matter how good or how bad, they were just, people were spitting at them. And it was just a, it was... Whether they were local or touring, right? Yeah, okay. yeah, yeah. A, a lot of the local bands, and I can't remember, I remember one, and I just, the name just came to me, and it's, uh, it's a local band called Winter's Rain, or E-I-G-N. And they, uh, they, we used to go see them at the Bagot Inn in Dublin, just a place about the size of an ashtray. And uh, they, were, they were brilliant. They were, they were a great local band, and they, they uh, I remember their drummer kind of looked like Iron Maiden's original drummer, Clive Burr. And uh, he had the double bass drum kit, and we just couldn't believe this guy was playing a double kit, you know, because we, we were seeing one, in, you know, we seen them in, in Kerrang! in the magazines. We, we, we just never seen one up front, up close. And they were, they were playing, they were playing well. But they, when, so when they would open for somebody, you kind of give them the nod. The local bands might get a pass, but, uh, and then another time, and, and so if it was a co-headliner, like an Anthrax and Metallica or something like that, They'd kind of get a pass because they were kind of on the same level. So they were, but yeah, it was, it's just strange to me that anybody would have not given them a chance. To, and, I, and I will say too, now Queensryche did have shiny clothes on, maybe leather and, <laughs> and a little bit of spandex or right. something. So maybe, maybe, maybe that was, a, but, but, but still, you know. <laughs> maybe we should try dressing up like that and see, just to experiment. <laughs> I, I do it all the time. <laughs> yeah. So the, the very first gig we played there, which was back in 2010 was at Fibber McGee's on Parnell Street. Yeah, Parnell Street, yep. And we had this in the back of our minds, these stories, but it was the complete opposite of what we were expecting. Not only did the crowd really enjoy it, but they were hugging us as we got off yeah. the stage. All these college-age kids were just having a ball. It was so great. Yeah, that was not expected at all. I mean, and again, you want to forewarn anybody that might be you know, especially, you know, your, your bandmates that are going over there. And I had no idea. I'd never seen anything like this. And, and again, I would never, never put placards beside Thin Lizzy or Horse Lips or any, you know. But we were playing a lot of Irish-infused rock songs. And I'm, again, like I'm saying, anything that we do like that, we would just be paying tribute to those guys. But so I, I had no idea if, A, they were going to, the crowd was going to think that, you know, you know, A, you're ripping them off or B, you're, you're not tipping the hat or you're not. So, I mean, rather than go through all the scenarios, I just thought it better to, and I, nobody was more shocked than I was <laughs> yeah, I at the, at the response because, and there's actually, a, I think Mike put a video together and there's actually videos yes, uh, where, where you can see how, uh, you know, during just one song, how the people would kind of come out of the, the woodwork and uh, stonework as that would be in Fibber McGee's, which is just an incredible venue. Yeah. downstairs in the basement and it's all stone cold all year round and uh kind of damp but great stage great you know just a great great atmosphere and we did, we had no idea of the size of the club because it, there's just separate rooms and you know new places off different different yeah. corridors and whatnot so as we started playing and you think that you see everybody in the room you don't yeah. and then as the songs would form and we get into the songs you kind of pick up speed a little bit these 
kids just came out of the wood. Like, right. Just like, 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 the, like the walls grew these people and spat right. them out. It was brilliant. Yeah, it was really cool. I, I'll put a link to that video too in the, uh, in the show notes. This year's trip is, is uh, very different from ones we've done in the past, mainly in that we're not jumping from city to city every single day, which was fun. But my favorite moments on past trips we've done uh, is when we've had a day or two days to really just soak up the city and basically plan the day however you want. Um, and we get to do that. On this tour, pretty much every city we go to, you're going to have some breathing time and uh, don't have to worry about getting on the, the bus every single morning. Uh, so I'm really looking forward to that, especially since two of the places we're going, we've never been to before. Yeah. So that's why we're doing it different is because I wanted to have time to go and, like you say, just meet, meet the locals and just, you know, dig a little deeper into, into the areas that we're, we're staying. But also, especially in Bundoran, we're going we're gonna to offer golf trips or hiking trips or horseback riding or just a bunch of different things to where you, you're not under the constraint of time. And I think we're going to play every night we're in Bundoran. We're going to try to do a show in Sligo and, uh, and Dublin for sure. So we're excited about the different activities that, that will be available to everybody on this trip because there is there's such a large swath of, of tastes that, you know, that, we, that we seem to, to, to take with us every time. So, it, you know, if they want to golf, they want to hike, they want to jump, you know, jump over a mountain or, you know, jump in the sea or because that's the nice part about not having to unpack your suitcase every time. And Yeah. What, what are you most looking forward to on this particular trip? Um, anybody that knows me knows I'm a little strange. So I, I like to, and, and I was never like this as a kid. This has only been in the last few years, but when I, when I uh, go somewhere, I want to run. I want to go for a run or a hike or both. And, and also, which is completely idiotic, but I like to get in the, in the ocean. And uh, if you've been in the Irish sea or if you've been in the Atlantic, you know, that it's not very, very warm, but that's where I'm going. <laughs> so I'm, that, that, that's what, you know, I've, I've, uh, I've spent many, many years there. So I, my idea of a good time is completely different from most. But I will say also that the chance to perform in Ireland is, I said earlier on that the Irish people are very honest. They will tell you. I remember when we played in uh, our good friend, Eamon, that owns all the Bollies pubs here in Houston and beyond. He set us up with a show with a band called Silver Circus. Yeah. And uh, we played in a friend of his, his hotel, uh, Paul. We played in his hotel and Silver Circus opened for us and they were absolutely brilliant. And I'm not just saying this because Ricky O'Neill's bigger than me and he'll beat me up. But they were, they were just, they were fantastic. Just tons of energy and huge, huge variety of music. And uh, they, they brought all the gear. They brought lights. You would have thought that we were playing at, the, at Wembley or something. They were just, they brought everything. Well, we went on after them. And we had great fun, but I remember this old guy standing by the speaker, and, and, and they didn't bring one or two speakers. They brought a massive PA. There was a small room in a small hotel, and they brought enough gear for the, the aforementioned yeah. Wembley. And uh, I remember this, this old guy standing by the speaker, and he just head against the speakers, and uh, he had a hat on, a scarf, big coat, and I, so I couldn't make this chap out. We were playing and we finished playing and I walked out and he, he says, he goes, Jesus, boy, he says, I have seen bands in all my time. He says, I've never seen anything like this. He says, it's fucking brilliant. And he was, he was I mean, every bit of 80 something years old and he was just 
obviously never forgot it. Just absolutely, he was blown away. But I couldn't believe that he had, A, got so close to the speakers and B, just really, because he, he knew what we were doing. He knew, knew the songs, but he also knew that we had, you know, sped them up tremendously and put some, yeah, put some colorful language on it. And that was a big, big moment for me to knowing that you're, you know, you can take care of the kids with the rock, but you can also still drag in the old people that have listened to this stuff played traditionally for so many years. Was that, that was on the first tour, right? Was that the first time? Yes, it was. It, it was, definitely yeah. was. Cause, uh, and, and, and that's why, that's how this whole thing started. The Ireland tour started with Eamon with saying Eamon, yeah. to me, he said, uh, do, do you ever play in Ireland? I said, get off. What are you talking about? And he says, uh, he said, why not? And I said, how, how would we do that? And he said, right, I'm booking your first show. And he booked that show. <laughs> and he said, now get, book a tour around it. And he did. Yeah. And I called Hammond Tours and I said, hey, and they, they set up the, up the tour and it's been just a blast ever since. They've been absolutely brilliant. But Eamon from Molly's, he started all this nonsense. So thanks, you, Eamon. Yeah. But I remember that too. That, that, that was the first time talking about the older fella who, who was really, really uh, digging it. That happened many times. Yeah. <laughs> Again, yeah. from almost every time, place we went. I remember it happening in Cork. It happened in Cork. It happened in Killarney. Killarney was even even more uh, was even more intense because the the lads that do the the horse and cart tours of the lakes. That's right. Yeah, they have been going into this bar in the, the International Hotel in Killarney, and uh, if you're ever there, you can ask the bartender. <laughs> we played there, and we yeah we played there, and I think it was about three or four songs in, and the lads had had their back to us all night. They'd been kind of looking over their shoulders, and they were they looked confused. But after about three or four songs, they started dancing and they didn't stop. And I remember, I remember that night vividly because the snow came down and it was warm yeah. when we arrived there and it started snowing. Maybe we were a little bit loud, but we, it, we started snowing and uh, there was a big uh, ruckus in the town anyway because of the, you know, the snow and whatnot and kind of came out of nowhere. And the lads jumping around the floor, dancing like children. I mean, jumping around. Well, the bartender who gave the keys to the bar to the receptionist of the hotel and said give the lads give us anything we want to drink that night and he told me he said those whatever they're called the, the lads that do the tour of the lake he said they have never never even clapped for yeah that's right that's for right. for uh for a band that they were for any entertainment that they've had in there so to see them dancing was a complete shock completely alien to this guy so yeah it's brilliant yeah that was a great night the, the other the totally off that topic <laughs> that night too one of the strange things i remember about that gig was i'd seen this that this is our very first time we went to ireland as a band and uh in that pub in, in the international hotel in killarney they had these pour your own pint things where you'd insert your credit card and then you it would allow you to pour your own pint but i never saw it again <laughs> we went back every every year subsequently we went back uh, I never saw that again. So that must have been an experiment that Guinness was doing that year because I guess it didn't catch on. That didn't sound like a good idea. No, I ever. don't really quite, <laughs> I don't quite understand. I mean, it's fun when you, go, when you go to the Guinness storehouse, which you will have an opportunity to do if you come with us this year, which I've done. And that is fun. Um, they, they have people there showing you exactly how to do it. And it is an exact science. And, yes, uh, it absolutely is. And Eamon's bars, uh, all the mollies will not let you, they will not let you sit down with, a, with an improperly poured pint you know they'll do it right and also i have to also say that uh o'bannon's where we play in college station they are currently number two for sales and guinness right. in the state of texas and they're actually really close to beating 
to coming to number one and also beating Oklahoma and in a few other places. So that, and, and, and they take their, their Guinness very, very seriously as well. So they're not, you're not going to get a, a, a bad pint in O'Bannon's. I have to say that's that right. because that's where we're going to be on Paddy's Day and you need to come with us yeah, again. It, it's funny because in joining this band, we've played in so many great Irish pubs, uh, not only in Houston, but across the country. By the time we finally went to Ireland, <laughs> people telling me for years, never going to have a pint of Guinness until you get to Ireland. So I finally did. And I was like, it tastes like it's supposed to taste. <laughs> but I've been, I realized I've been spoiled. Uh, because I've I've been to so many pubs where they actually know what they're doing here. Rerun Vegas as well. Yes, rerun. Yeah, uh, the, the the list is endless, really. But there are the, the list is also endless for places who don't know. <laughs> unfortunately, yeah. But when you, you will tell, to, yeah. When you walk up to the bar and they straight pour it, you just get they hand it yeah. to you, and it looks like a, it looks like your glass is trying to take off. Yeah, like a rocket. That's a you <laughs> know you say you send that back. Yeah, you if you don't have a taste for Guinness yet, and you, you develop one in Ireland, I get news for you, you're, you're in trouble. <laughs> yeah, because you you only want to go to the to the best pubs in, in the states after that, which is yeah, we can tell you where to go. Yeah, you can do the one nine hundred call smalls, right? <laughs> and, uh, find out. But yeah, I, I remember going there. I was like, well, this didn't. Yeah, you know, I was expecting to have my mind blown, and I was like, well, this is really good, but it doesn't blow my mind. And then I mean, I forget where it was. I came, we came back to the states. Uh, right after that tour, and I, I can't remember where it was, but I remember having my first Guinness back home. I'm like, oh, <laughs> I, I like sort of figured it out and and, and reverse. Like now I get it. Okay, this yeah. is what it's like when it's not. That's what corn. you get when you go get a Guinness at Hooters, Chad. Right. Yeah. So if you go to blackguards.com right now, you can get the information on the tour. There's a flyer there you can download that has all the pricing and itinerary information. And to sign up, you can call Hammond Tours. There's also now, for the first time, you can actually sign up for these tours online. And also, yeah, check, it, check us out on Paddy's Day. We're going to be in Corpus on the, uh, the Saturday. Actually, Moe's, on, Moe's Vintage Park on the Friday. At Corpus, we're doing a festival outside at Cassidy's Pub in Corpus Christi on Saturday. And then all day, all night, all you can eat, all you can see, all you can do with us at uh, O'Bannon's. And we're going to be playing from 12 noon till 2 in the morning. No cover charge. Yeah, no cover charge. At all, so, and also we got some great new, uh, got some great new work shirts, uh, which have been on demand for a while, and we have uh, some Paddy's Day shirts, and we have some, we have, we have a lot of stuff. Yeah, there'll be a special limited edition T-shirt that that uh, was a collaboration with O'Bannons that'll be available probably only at that show. Yeah, so thanks for tuning in. Thanks. We'll see you next week.